The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from notorious best of body winner, Jeffrey Allen Hayes. I just got a new review for body storytelling, and I wanted to share it with you. The reviewer, whose name is a bunch of initials and numbers together, so not actually a name, said five stars. This is more than a podcast about sex. This is a podcast about being human. I love how vulnerable Dixie is with her intros and how she is able to share parts of her life that most people wouldn't be brave enough to. She has opened up a lot of doors that I never knew were there. Thank you for the wonderful stories. And I'm sharing that with you because I think it's so funny. Most of the reviews that I've read lately are five stars and they make reference to the Dixie Ramble. And they talk about how much they love hearing me talk about my life and how they enjoy how vulnerable I get with my life. And I am so confused, I really don't get it. For one thing, it's, it really is, it's painful. It is so hard to admit how fucked up I am. And that's, I mean, if I'm going to talk about my life, I have to talk about how fucked up I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I created the weirdest job ever. I coach people on talking about their sex and kink lives. And then I put them on stage. And then I put them on a podcast or a live stream. It's a strange job. I didn't go to school for theater. It's not like I headed down this road. It was just something I was genuinely interested in. And I still, all these years later, go, what the fuck? How, how is this a thing you do for a living? And the stories are one thing. I mean, coaching a beautiful story, taking someone's story and helping them put it together is one thing. But the Dixie Ramble is the part that people particularly beg me, don't ever stop putting the ramble on the podcast. And that's the part that's me. And that's the part that's torture. And I don't understand why anybody likes it. Because most of the time I feel like it's an incredible downer. Um, But I was talking to someone who's a voiceover artist recently. And she listens religiously to the podcast. And she was telling me how she loves the podcast. And she loves listening to my voice. And I'm like, what? My voice is awful. What are you talking about? 
And she said she particularly loves listening to the ramble. And I'm like, I really don't get it. I swear I don't. And she goes, do you know what the ramble is? Listening to you in the ramble, it's foreplay. It's foreplay before the sex. It's talking to you. It's warming up. It's kind of feeling close and prepared for what's coming, I guess. But, um, yeah. So I have to do this every week. And it's very uncomfortable for me. I really struggle. So I'm just letting you know it's uncomfortable. And thank you for liking it. I'll just never get it. But I'm confused about a lot of things that go on in my life. So this week, I was a guest on uh, Midori has a series called Consent Dojo. And I was a guest on it this week. I'll include a link in the show notes so that you can tune in. It's on YouTube. And for two hours, I was a guest and I talked about consent. And consent is one of those topics that no one can agree on. And you always feel like whatever you say is wrong. It's a very loaded topic. So I was very nervous about it, of course. Who am I going to make mad? Because I have my opinions. And it went really well. I mean, once you really get into it, you can realize consent is so nuanced. It's so broad. And Midori and I talked about how consent is approached in my job, about trigger warnings, about putting people on stage, about making sure they're ready to share a story, taking care of them, taking care of the audience. It was an interesting conversation. And she particularly loved a quote that I thought I should share with you because she really turned it over when I introduced her to it, which is, I believe it's attributed to Nadia Boltz-Weber, You can find she's an author. And the quote is, tell from your scars, not your wounds. So a lot of times you don't want to tell your story until it's something that you've gotten some perspective on. If you're really hurting from something in your life, you could possibly hurt other people. Sometimes if we're still dealing with some pain, we may not share it in a way that is going to take care of our audience or the listener and it's something that I consider I've had this come up a few times recently when I've worked with a storyteller or two and we've gotten very close to putting them on stage and then it was just obvious that they had not healed from some trauma and it was just too dangerous I was so afraid since there's no paper When you tell a story on stage, it's just too easy to get up in front of hundreds of people and to just go for shock value. Just because it's in your mind, even though we've worked and we've made sure that we've polished it, you just don't know. And as the person who's in charge of taking care of the audience, I need to make sure that the storyteller is taken care of and the audience is taken care of. So... Watch the Consent Dojo video if you'd like. And it's number 19. So she has done an entire series on the topics of consent. And she discusses consent with many luminaries. 
like Lee Harrington and Betty Martin of The Wheel of Consent and Marsha Bajinsky and so many others, it's a really interesting series. I'd suggest you check it out. Do you feel like I did enough of a ramble this week? Is that enough? I'm sorry I didn't cry. Are you okay with that? Because it wasn't a horrible week this week. I'm actually pretty excited about we have a thing that we do in my circle in the body family. One of the people who runs the bango table does a thing that she's been doing for I think this year 12 and it is called the mega cookie smackdown and we all go to her house and Alexis is the most incredible cookie baker you've ever seen in your life. She's the one who made that jack-in-the-box birthday cake for me for my birthday this year which blew me away it was so incredibly gorgeous and she makes many many cookies and people make their own entries and it's a competition and there are like six different winning categories and everybody has to test every single kind of cookie I think last year there were 26 different kinds you go home very sugared out You don't want to look at sugar for a long time after Mega Cookie Smackdown. So I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) And it's nice to have something to look forward to, right? I hope you have something to look forward to this week. We could all use a little something nice to perk us up, right? Yes, you're attending yoga classes and hitting the nail salon, but are you taking care of the rest of your needs? You have needs that are mental as well as physical. So relax and explore your deepest desires with Dipsy. Self-care has never sounded better. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. You've never heard celebrities like this before. Listen to stories voiced by Serenus J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, and Luke Cook. Dipsy has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of the Body Storytelling Podcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Dixie. You heard that right. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash Dixie. The holidays are almost here. If you're looking for a thoughtful and sexy gift for your partner or friend, look no further than Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all your erotic essentials, from vibrators and massage oils to ropes and handcuffs. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. Like a Kitten offers 24 creatively themed boxes for any occasion that will encourage you to play in ways that you've never imagined before. The booty box contains everything you need for anal, whether you're a booty beginner or a pro. The Daring Date Night Box will help you break out of the same old dull routine with your partner, spicing things up by sharing a sexy secret on your next dinner date. Then there's the Flirty Festival Box. It's the perfect bachelorette gift for your festival-loving bestie. I got the Forbidden Fruit Box with the Rosy Gold Anal Plug, Poppin' Rock's Explosive Sex Candy, 
water slide aquatic stimulator, water-based lube, and best of all, the Purrs Like a Kitten USB rechargeable silicone vibe. It's hard to believe that most of these boxes contain a toy that retails for more than the entire box alone. So these boxes containing multiple gifts are a steal. And Like a Kitten is offering Body Storytelling's listeners 15% off when you go to likeakitten.com slash D-I-X-I-E or enter code Dixie at checkout. These boxes are all at least 25% off retail value. So with our special discount of 15%, you'll receive a total of 40% off retail value. Surprise your partner with a box from Like a Kitten. Just go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or use code D-I-X-I-E right now to get 15% off. There's a link in this episode's description. Let me tell you about this week's storyteller. He is a beloved member of the body family, and we haven't seen him in a long time. It's always a pleasure when we get a story from Jeffrey. Jeffrey Allen Hayes has won Best of Body multiple times. He holds an MA in drama therapy and works as a professional game master, facilitating games like Dungeons and Dragons with a focus on emotional growth and healing. He is one of my favorite storytellers. He chases a story to create an adventure in the same way that I always did. The thing that created body is what Jeffrey does with his life. It's so nice to find a kindred spirit out there, you know? This storyteller is Jeffrey Allen Hayes. Hello. We have a very important question to answer here tonight. And that is, when did Shakespeare write Love's Labor's Lost? I know this was what you were all expecting. We were all building up to this. For me, when this story takes place, that's exactly what I was building up to. I was in my Shakespeare studies class. I was 20 years old, and this was the thing I was most excited for. We were finally going to debate when Shakespeare wrote Love's Labor's Lost. It was the semester finale, you know? And so it started off with Caitlin. She was starting off the debate. She had horn-rimmed glasses and frizzy hair, and she was making the assertion that it was written in 1595, okay? And her reasoning for this was that, uh, oh, what was her reasoning? Oh, I'm blanking. Oh, God, this never happens. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yes, okay. Caitlin's reasoning for this was that Henry Risley met Shakespeare around that time, and that's when uh, they started creating plays together, and he acted as sort of a, you know, a, a patron for Shakespeare, and that really, like, kick-started his career, and Caitlin made the argument that maybe that's when Love's Labor's Lost was written, and at this point in the argument, I have a raging erection. <laughs> Just, like, rock hard. Uh, and that was new um and i'm like gripping on to the little plastic metal desk chair thing you know those combination desk chairs and i'm like holding on to it for dear life uh and i can feel my dick twitching in my pants and it's having a grand old time 
And Nick, this small, hairy Greek guy in the class, he's making the assertion, a very bold assertion, I might add, that it was written in 1591. What? Where did that come from? Well, he says it's because the Spanish Armada was invading at that time, and there's the character Armado, which is clearly commentary on the Spanish Armada, and Shakespeare is known for current commentary, and at this point, my dick is, like, so turgid. Like... I, my balls are like shrinking up into my, my business and I'm ready to come and I'm like, okay, and I can feel the sweat beating on my forehead and I can feel myself just trying to hump the air and it's a lot, you guys, and then there comes the argument for 1594, but I can't even, I, I come so hard. The colors of the room change. (laughs) Waves wash over me. The world makes a little more sense somehow. It's one of those orgasms, you know? And Don, the professor, looks at me and he says, Jeffrey, you look very opinionated. (laughs) When do you think the play was written? And I had been preparing for weeks to answer this question, to assert 1596, and I had very good reasons. But I couldn't give those reasons. So all I could say was, I have to feed my dog, and I left. (laughs) I do not now, nor have I ever owned a dog. I went home that night and I started Googling Shakespeare because clearly I have a sexual attraction to Shakespeare and it's important to just confront it. And I'm Googling images of Shakespeare and it's not doing a whole lot for me, I gotta tell you. And like I'm reading some of the plays again and I'm like, no, no activity in the Pantal regions. What is happening? And... I think, okay, maybe it's just one of those things. Maybe this will never happen again, but then I'm sitting in biology class a few days later, and we're discussing mitosis, the process of cell division. And for some reason, that is the hottest thing I have ever heard. It's just like full-on spring, like, it's all up in there, and my dick is, oh, I thought it was hard before, but I've reached new levels of hard. And uh, guess what? I come, and I cry a little bit, and I leave with my textbooks covering my crotch, just exiting the lecture hall. And I think maybe that's the end of it next day. (laughs) Philosophy class is nothing sacred. The professor says, the thing about tautologies is the thing about tautologies. (laughs) Not there. (laughs) To this day, if you say that sentence to me, I will get a little hard. I encourage you to try. (laughs) So... I was having a very confused experience, and 
I was in need of help, so I went to the Student Health Center, and I walked in, and they said, what can we help you with today? And I said, I am experiencing strange phenomena. <laughs> the nurse, an older woman who always wears her glasses like this, they're on the edge of my nose if this is on the podcast. <laughs> She looks down at me, she taps her nose, and she gives that I know what's going on kind of glare, and I go, you, you know what's going on. She goes, I've got you, it's okay. And she hands me a little like thing to fill out, a little form to fill out, and I go sit down to fill it out. It's a form assessing my mental stability and my symptoms, like it's assessing symptoms of schizophrenia. When I said I was experiencing strange phenomena, she assumed I was hallucinating. So I fill out my form, and I meet with the doctor, and he reads my form, and he says, well, Mr. Hayes, it seems that everything is in tip-top shape. So you have nothing to worry about. You're in perfect mental health. You're free to go. And I go, that's cool. Uh, but funny story. I'm ejaculating all the time. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Do you have any advice or insight or anything? And he says, okay, well, uh, when's the last time you did heroin? <laughs> and I go, never. And he goes, are you sure? So I check, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. He goes, okay, well, one of the symptoms of heroin withdrawal is a spontaneous orgasm. So that's cool, but irrelevant to my needs. He says, well, are you in a lot of pain? And I go, not particularly. And he goes, okay, well, sometimes the body confuses pain for pleasure, and that can cause an orgasm. Again, good to know. I'm learning a lot. He goes through an entire laundry list of things it could be, and none of them apply to me. And as it's going down, he I'm kind of losing hope, and this is really brought home when he says, well, Mr. Hayes, it doesn't seem like we can diagnose you with anything. I'm afraid we can't be of much help to you. I can't find a way for us to treat the symptom. And all of the air rushes out of me like a balloon, and I think, oh my God, I'm gonna be like this forever. And he says, but there is a way we can help you. Your symptoms are real, we've recorded them, and so we can assist you in making sure that you go through with your studies here to the best of your own abilities, and we will find you a care navigator who will ensure that there's an individualized education program to fit your needs. Okay, that's something. <laughs> and I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to tell someone like, hey, I need individual education programs because I come a lot. <laughs> but my care navigator is a big, strong black woman named Jeanette. And Jeanette says, it's okay, I got you. 
And she does. And she walks straight into that room with the meeting with the dean and says, this is Jeffrey Hayes. He's a very special young man and he has very special needs and you will take care of him. And the dean did not argue. So from then on, I had a free pass. I did not have to attend class. I could leave class at any time. And if I wanted to stay in class and make all the faces I needed to make to get through what I was experiencing, it was okay. Suddenly, it was okay if I was ejaculating in public. In fact, the teachers preferred it so I didn't have to do makeup work by missing class. Do you know what a gift that is? Do you know how amazing it is to be able to orgasm in the middle of chemistry class and suddenly feel that relaxation and then suddenly chemistry actually makes some fucking sense? Oh my God, I would not have passed calculus if I could not have orgasmed in the middle of it twice, okay? That's just all there is to it. I owe my degree to this symptom that I was experiencing. So, one day I'm at home with my roommate. Uh, <laughs> he's this adorable guy. He looks like a failed 90s star. Big brown eyes and <laughs> just very young face. Um, and he, uh, we were playing video games and he was like, you know, it seems like this is all working out pretty well for you, this whole thing that's been happening. And I say, yes, that is an accurate assessment, thank you. Press B. Because uh, he wasn't playing the game properly. <laughs> and he said, uh, <laughs> he said, no, I mean, it's not just like getting out of class and everything. I mean, I'm, I'm glad this is happening to you because you seem a lot more comfortable now who you are. And that really caught me off guard and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Jeffrey, you're very sexually repressed. The fact that someone could tell me that they could see how sexually repressed I was, was a wake-up call. I didn't know <laughs> that it was visible to other people, but yeah, I was out as gay, but I wasn't dating. I wasn't feeling comfortable. I hadn't hugged another guy <laughs> since uh, high school. I hadn't been experiencing myself. And the fact that he saw that, and that he saw that I was owning my sexuality and that that was a good thing for me, how could I ask for anything more special than that moment? So the next day in class, I didn't orgasm. And uh, the next day after that, I did not orgasm. It just went away as quickly as it started. Uh, now, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know a whole lot, but here's my hypothesis. My body was so starved for me to understand its sexual needs, that it was willing to do anything to give me a wake-up call. 
And when I listened to it, it was willing to work with me. That's what I believe. And ever since then, I have been listening to it. And sometimes it says, hey, we need to go to a bathhouse. <laughs> sometimes it says, hey, we need to suck three dicks today. And I work around it. Like, sometimes that's not always an option. But I listen to it. And I think that makes all the difference for me. So... I just wanted to share that with all of you because I think all of us have these times when we aren't really listening to what our real needs are and we push them down and we try to go through our day-to-day -day and we try to, I don't know, be someone we're not. That feels so cliche, but it also feels so true. And if you try to be someone you're not, your body is going to tell you who you actually are and you're going to get a wake-up call and sometimes it's not always what you want to hear. But I just recommend to all of us that we do our best to listen to what's going on deep inside us and to live our truth. Thank you. Yeah. A secret on my breath A weight within my chest I do my very best to act the act and make a pact to hide myself from you.
That original song was performed live by Michael Martinez earlier this year at Body. And you better believe he got a standing ovation. This holiday season, please consider a donation to Body Storytelling. Your gift of any amount will help keep our head above water this winter. While our live shows are on pause and income is sparse, I have donation links in the show notes for Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and the best way to support Body is with ongoing monthly support by becoming a member of our Patreon. The link is patreon.com slash body. And no matter how you do it, thanks in advance for your support. We're at the end of the episode. Before you go, could I ask you to subscribe, rate, and especially write a written review of this podcast? Like the one we had at the beginning of the episode. It means so much to read your words, and it's a big deal to let other people know that you like the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks in advance for doing that, and I'd like to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Ty McKenzie, Ruben Tan, and podcast producer Roman Din Houdeker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 253 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. And before I go, I want to tell you about a member of the Pleasure Podcast family. I'm a member of the Pleasure Podcast family. And I wanted to tell you about the Multi Amory Podcast. Emily, Jace, and Dedeker discuss every facet of modern relationships. It's a fascinating podcast. And I know you'll love it. You'll find them on Pleasure Podcast. And here's a little bit about them. Thanks for listening to us. And I hope you'll listen to Multiamory too. Let's face it, relationships can be tough. And it's even tougher to find quality advice when you need it. That's why we spend hours looking at the latest research to help you understand which relationship advice is gold and which advice is garbage. We are the hosts of the Multiamory Podcast, a weekly show dedicated to helping your relationships become happier and healthier. This is not your mother's relationship advice show. Whether you are monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. Check out what some of our listeners have to say. I can always find an episode to help me process and find perspective with whatever it is that I'm going through in the moment. You're addressing both healthy and unhealthy habits has really shaped who I strive to be as a partner and a person. Sometimes I read a title and I'm like, this one isn't going to apply to me. And then listen to it anyway. And it always does. <laughs> 
So if you're tired of one-size-fits-all relationship advice, check out Multiamory with over 400 episodes and new episodes every week.